Hello and welcome. Um, we are on the Trauma Resonance Resilience podcast. It's so good to see you all and to hear you all. Whether you're watching or you're listening, it's really good that you're here. And um, I'm doing this on Teams. I normally do this on Zoom, which is why I'm a little bit panicky that something could go wrong. And anyone who knows me knows that I have such a distaste for Teams um, as a facility, but I'm using it today because I've got such a special person that I'm going to be talking with because you know that I'm, um, this is part of uh, the Brightness of Stars third edition um, series where I'm bringing to you people who are in the new book and some people who were in the first edition all that time ago back in 2000. 13 2014 and today's guest is somebody who was in the original book and those were different times as I've said on every podcast they were different times we were connected in very different ways uh, we were not part of um, communities online in the way that we are now so it was a pretty big thing to do that book and it was a pretty big thing to take part in it so I am really excited to welcome today pav hello lisa how are you <laughs> i'm so good it's so good to have you come on here and i know that it might have felt quite uncomfortable although can i just tell everybody before we start that my real fondness for your involvement in the original brightness of stars was that um, I was invited on to um, Woman's Hour, which is a little bit like going on, you know, I, I can die now. I've been on Woman's Hour. It's a little bit kind of felt like that, a, a little bit like uh, if I could have my own Guardian column, that's it. I've arrived. That's where I want to be. That's why it was a bit like that. And, and I was kind of very worried about it and I was very anxious about it. It felt very big. And and you came with me and you were amazing. Um <laughs> That's how it felt for me. I mean, what was that like for you coming on Woman's Hour? And I don't know if anyone's listening who heard that interview, but... Uh, you know, look, I mean, going to the BBC studios is always a, is always a daunting experience for anyone, um, I think. And, and Jenny Murray is such a formidable, you know, icon of radio. Um, there are a degree of nerves about it, but, but also I think what was really nice was that, you know, I felt really confident in what we were talking about. Uh, you know, we had... A really important story to tell. We had an important, um, you know, um, ambition in terms of trying to make things better for for people who've come through the experience that you and I have come through, uh, and and are going through this, that system right now. And and so the book itself was, was so powerful in terms of what it collected and what it was telling. That you know, I, I think Jenny was taken in by that, and rightly so. You know, she 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 understood what we were about and, and for me I, it was a really enjoyable experience I really enjoyed it you know and um and it was great to be on woman's hour you know and um and feeling uh, feeling part of that you know that was it was really really great so so yeah thank you for the opportunity it didn't happen again after that I have to say but, but thank no you. no I haven't been on woman's hour since but one of the things that she did pick up on um was around food and food came up in your chapter and it came up in my chapter and actually I think food is such a really interesting way of understanding experience the food we eat the food we don't eat the food we have access to 
uh, you know, I remember every placement I had because of the food and where it was bought and who made it and all of those things. And you talked a, l- a little bit about food in your original mm-hmm. chapter as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to store it away because I think, you know, I mean, I come from a Muslim heritage, uh, Muslim background. And so, um, uh, I mean, in those days, I don't think there was such an awareness of cultural diversity in quite the same way that we have it now. And it wasn't necessarily accommodated for in the same way. So um, for me, um, being able to, I mean, I, really felt when I was in care that the experience was about um, deconstructing me as a human being. Involuntarily, I have to say, it wasn't by choice. And it was it was about making me vanilla as opposed to what I was. Um, you know, I was a Muslim young British Asian and that was my cultural identity. It was dual identity. You know, it was complete, it was layered. Uh, and really the system stripped, tried to strip all of that out of me. It, you know, it, <laughs> the system made me... Um, say I can't identify with my faith or my culture and that's a really dangerous place for a non-white kid to be or a person of faith to be because you know you're already disorientated and dislocated from your reality and then even the fragments of your of your reality that you can hold on to your, your, you know your 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 identity you can hold on to because they are part of who you are even that that is then stripped away or slowly eroded and and it can become an even more isolating experience um and so so food was one of those staples I suppose, one of those consistencies um it's something i could find and then when i found it i would all you know they the my nickname was the squirrel because I would hide my food or I'd bring and put it in my room and then and nibble on it because it what I needed to eat wasn't always readily available. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting mm. thing about food. I'm still and like that. Some, <laughs> yeah, well, these things run deep, don't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's something really interesting for me in there about what you're saying because you're you're talking from the perspective of a history of colonization, but you're also talking about a colonization within care. There's something really interesting for me about that, thinking about the care experience for some people in some decades, because it's such a, there's no, you know, there's no kind of, it's not a homogeneous thing. It's a very individual experience, just like for everybody in their own family. You know, it's um, unique depending on what we bring into that. But there's something there for me about that kind of connection in having yourself taken away from you we see that when we hear about people not being uh, living close to their family or people being separated from their siblings you're talking about separation from your faith I'm wondering if you've thought about that have you spent time pondering that from that lens oh yeah for sure I mean I I think I was very alert and very aware of um, the structural inequalities. I mean, I, I often re- remind myself and others that, you know, I learned what structural inequality looks like very, very early because of my care experience. I realised the system was not designed for people like me. It, it wasn't entirely designed for young people itself anyway. Um, I think it was designed for policymakers or, um, or um, you know, those who implement, um, um, you know, services. Uh, it was designed around them and what they thought their needs were primarily and then children sort of you know people came into the equation um and even then you know we were treated as as we were as if we were one monolith one one big block and we weren't really i mean i think there was uh, in my care experience you know when i watched some of the young girls and women in particular and you know in my days there was grooming going on it was 
done differently, but it was it was absolutely what I would call grooming. Absolutely. Today, I saw it happening right before my eyes. There would be people, you know, luring people out of the home, you know, with drink, drugs, you know, sex, any level of you know um, activity, and because. A lot of the people I was in my care home with were just desperate for love, and that's really what it was about. It was belonging, love, needing some attention, and um, that was not always provided by the home itself for understandable reasons, and there were boundaries, you know, sometimes too strict perhaps, but um, the lack of empathy and compassion, not purposefully. I mean, we had some really fantastic care workers in the home, um, but people were drawn out of the home for those reasons and i think in the same way that you know come back to the original question about you know just structural experience as i say it wasn't necessarily designed for young people in mind and for me as a as a non-white and i was the only non-white kid in my home and my children's home um it was even harder because i didn't really relate to you know what people did culture I, I came from a tradition of going to school coming home going to mosque then coming home do my you know having my dinner and then do my homework and then going to bed that was the culture i was i had quite a disciplined environment you know in my my family home um before i went into the children's home so it's quite different to the culture that i was being brought into in, in the children's home uh, and um and that was quite alienating anyway um and then there was the whole layers of you know i, I tried to pray and that was obviously not approved of by the kids I was in my care home and it automatically made me stand out like a like as if I was odd and there wasn't enough facilitation or accommodation of that uh, but those the, those times that was the 90s you know and um different times um and thankfully things have moved on they've become a bit more aware as I think the the makeup of or the demographic of the demographics who go into care now have diversified so the system has responded to the needs that have emerged and started being more accommodating and recognizing that it has a responsibility the equality act has helped with that as well of course to to meet needs and diverse needs so progress is being made um but certainly you know your generation my generation we we went through different times and different experiences i think yeah and and can i just i mean you know it's fascinating to have these deeper conversations with with everybody really who's taken part in this this beautiful collection of different stories you know I love that piece and there's no single story um and I just wondered why you wanted to take part I mean because you've come back again so why did you want to take part the first time and why did you come back again and I have to say everybody bar one person came back again to reflect on their piece, which I was so humbled by because I just thought some people might just want to not go near it again. You know, it's a very personal experience writing about your experience, isn't it? I, I think the original piece um, was really difficult for me to write. I mean, the irony is I, I, I'm a writer, you know, I started as a journalist and 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 I, I really struggled to write about um, the care home experience, my care home experience. Um, um, largely because it was too traumatic for me, you know, because it was too close to home. It was my story, and um, that wasn't one that I was necessarily um, in a space where I felt comfortable to. Um, I hadn't really come to reconcile it with myself, mm. let alone being able to share it with others. And um, what I will say is that I am so grateful that I did it because um, I think it was. Um, it was part of my therapy or self-therapy. Um, it was a really therapeutic process for me as an individual. And also, you know, it allowed me to grieve for um, 
some of the really traumatic things that happened to me when I was in care about that, you know, um, I, I still grieve a little bit because, you know, um, what happens to you in those early days really informs where you live your life and um, um, some of the choices that comes through to you um, in your, um, you know, that some of the things that you end up doing or, or not doing in your life. And, um, but it was a really important part of my process. And, and I, I am, um, you know, I, I, one of the most important things for me, once a piece of work was done, uh, you know, the, um, the chapter was written was, I was then able to tell my story. You know, I'd never really been able to open up to people about what I'd gone through. And, and so the way I would deal, deal with it was I would read them my chapter and, you know, I'd read them my chapter. They would cry. I would cry. And we didn't really need to say anything more. We just understood why I was the way I was. And, um, and I remember I was in a particular relationship at the time and, um, you know, long-term relationship and, um, of my other half who didn't always get where I was coming from, it kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, things made sense, um, in the context of what I'd come through. So for me, the, the, the process was, was such an important one in terms of, um, I want, I want to say palate cleanser. You know, it allowed me to rediscover taste or start living again, and you know, start enjoying things a little bit more because I um I came to terms, I reconciled mm-hmm. what had happened, and um or I was starting the reconciliation process, and so so that was really good. And also, you know, you said on the outset of this, at the head of this conversation, that in those times we didn't quite have those online yeah. communities or virtual spaces, you know, where we could hang out and meet like-minded people or people who shared experiences and often you felt this great sense of um isolation and um oddness you know that you, you you were othered you were you were odd and people didn't get where you came from and and suddenly you were in a space where you were with other oddballs you know who actually weren't that odd because they had quite the same same similar experiences or in different but similar and um and that really allowed again you know the, it made me feel normal <laughs> for want of a better yeah, expression yeah. it made me feel that it's okay you know there was nothing perverse about it. it's not not perverse but um i wasn't an oddball for having gone through what i'd gone through and, and why i was the way i was with authority or with you know with with uh, institutions and you know mm-hmm. and how i responded to certain things it, it made it made more sense and it allowed me to affirm for me that it, that was okay. Uh, it was okay not to be okay. It was okay to feel that way. Um, uh, and that it was going to be okay, actually. In the long run, it was going to be okay. And that, you know, people were coming through. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of why I think, um, well, I got asked, that's why I contributed and then I reflected on it and did it. But actually, having gone through the process, I took so much from it. And, um, and then, you know, I mean, I remember probably the most candid that I've been was I was at a Bernardo's conference in the Northwest um, talking about you know, children who've come through the care home process. And, and I just remember one line saying that I said to Bernardo's, I said, you know, never stop reaching out, offering a hand of help. Even if the young person isn't in a place where they can say yes to you, the fact that you're asking matters, matters more than the world, more, more than you can realize that it's so important. You know, the child may not be ready to take that help for whatever reason personal or you know structural or whatever but the fact that you're asking t- keeps reminding them that you care that they matter and that that's the important bit and um uh, and and so for me this this book 
in, in a way was offering a hand of help and encouragement saying it will get better and when you're ready to go on that journey or you know take those next steps know that others have been through it too and we've all survived it one way or the other mm -hmm. we've survived it and you know that's an amazing thing to survive that system and to come out healthy well you know and and enjoying life and that really matters so yeah well i don't know if i can add anything to that <laughs> and um you've certainly brought up so much emotion for me talking to you you know, when you talked about stigma and shame and what happens when we speak to somebody about who we are and when that is met with empathy and how all of that stigma and shame has an opportunity to start the process of not being within us, but actually releasing and going somewhere else. It's been so beautiful talking to you, Pav. Thank you so much for gifting your wisdom and your time and sharing some of your some of your real depth thank you thank you thanks for having me